Thank you so much, Samantha, for your time and for taking me up on this. I'm really, really excited to get to talk to you because, well, first, first of all, let me, let me say this. Thank you very much for supporting my podcasting projects very, very early on. You were episode 36 of Creative Drive, which was when I was doing readings. And I'm really, really grateful to you because that was at the very early stage when I was still kind of getting my footing there in that in the realm. So sure. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. And thank you. Yeah. So uh let's let's kind of get started, if you don't mind, at the beginning of your creative journey, just to kind of get a sense of where your creative process began. And uh I typically ask folks, how did you find your creativity when you were first getting started? That's a hard one for me because I think I always enjoyed writing, like even as a child, um, it was probably my favorite part of school um, when we would do a creative writing project or something like that. And um, I just kind of got away from that when I got older. Um, Not that I got away from writing, Mm. but I certainly didn't consider it my career path. I ended up, I was working in, um, after schooling and everything, I was working in disability services for several years. And um, and then I was fortunate enough to stay home with my kiddos uh, when they were small. And, um, but throughout that time, I was writing as a hobby. So when my kids got to be a little bit older, like school age, I had more and more time to put towards writing and submissions and and um you know i think i started to take my my writing more seriously as kind of a a, a real path that i wanted to pour my energy and my time into mm. right right well uh it's actually kind of uh, great that you mention you know the kind of work that you do in your in your daytime because i feel that there is this really interesting thread of social justice and a need to to kind of represent those who may not have the means to voice themselves. And I'm curious if that is a direct response to the work that you do on a day-to-day basis, or has that always been something that you've had uh, as an instinct or an impulse to do? Well, um, both. I My parents raised me in a very, um, with very progressive values, I would call them. Um, so my dad was a minister, um, Presbyterian minister and my mom, um, she stayed home with us, but she also was, uh, a teacher. And so, um, growing up, they both really instilled social justice values, what we would refer to today as social justice values, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was, I was born in the seventies. So seventies, eighties, um, social justice, which has, you know, through the years, we, we've we maybe changed our focus um, societally, but the issues are always there mm. um, and there's always work to be done. And um, so human rights is a huge part of my life and always has been. And that's probably why I chose the career path I chose. I know it's why my husband and I raise our children the way we raise them. Um, and yes, it definitely, it definitely plays into my writing. It's a big part of, of mm. what I write about and yeah, and oh, how I write. That's awesome. So as you were preparing your debut poetry collection, um, when did you decide that this was the right time to to gather things? Or how long did it take for you to actually realize, oh, I have enough 
that really coalesces around an issue or, or maybe like general ideas to turn into a poetry collection? I love that question. I think that many poets would say, you know, we, we have a collection or we have um, a chap book that we're ready to publish. Um, but then it's a matter of finding the right avenue for publishing. Mm-hmm. And so um, initially, my debut collection, Vision and Other Things We Hide From, that came out in 2021 um, in the spring. Um, I had had that manuscript together for a very long time. Um, and I had floated it to many, many publishers. And I'm grateful to River Dixon over at Potter's Grove Press because he's the one who finally jumped on it and said, yeah, let's let's do this. And I think a lot of it was the timing as well. Um, I've noticed looking back at that manuscript or at that book now that in that manuscript, I had a lot of material, I think, that resonated with folks after the pandemic or throughout the mm. pandemic time that maybe before, um, which, I mean, ironically, you know, for better, for worse, whatever, um, the pandemic has brought a lot of social justice issues to the forefront that mm. maybe were more in the background before. Um, and so I think the timing ended up really good for that manuscript to come to light as a book. Um, I think that maybe that's why it resonated with River and had, I mean, I like to think maybe that's why some of the other editors might have passed on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure everybody has their own reasoning. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I definitely had a book worth of material, you know, books worth amount of material together. Um, and and I think it just the timing and everything coalesced there in 21 um, mm. and in a good way. I was really pleased how that came together. Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful to hear because it seems like right after that, you just had this explosion of work because now you're going on your third. It's your third co- poetry collection. Coming out right. this so, um, next month, right? Yes. So Cosmic Tragic Comedy is my third full traditional collection. And in the meantime, I have uh, been fortunate enough to publish a chat book called Keeping Afloat with um, JC Studio Press that's run by Jane Cornwell um, over in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, she's an amazing support. And we are getting ready to collaborate on another book. So I'll have to, mm. I'll keep you abreast of that in the future. But yeah. Um, yeah, so Cosmic Tragic Comedy is my, um, you know, third full, I'm calling it third full collection. Um, and I think I've had this, as you put it, explosion um, of, of manuscripts that have just turned into books um, in a short time period because having that first publish sort of, gave me the confidence or the impetus to say, okay, I can do this. Mm. Um, I have finally, you know, <laughs> um, gained some traction and, right. um, yeah, it really gave me the confidence to just keep rolling with it. And, um, I'm just, I'm enjoying the process and enjoying seeing some of these manuscripts turn into books. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty remarkable. Cause I actually, we skipped the second one, which is, which is right here. I'm, I'm very, very, uh, excited to have gotten this one. And, I feel like there were maybe some precursor themes to to what is coming in the third one because the poems that I gravitated in uh, in this one, which is simplicity and other things we overcomplicate, which is wonderful, and I highly recommend folks who listen check that out too. 
is that there is so uh, another recurring theme here of just sort of maybe that cosmic bigger you know, uh, awareness and, and a little bit of futility, which I'm partially fond of because it feels like you're, you're trying to <laughs> reconcile, right. That, that big picture with, with the action that needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis to just be better people. And I right. really, really enjoyed some of those, especially your closer, which I won't give away here because I, I think it really kind of ends the book really well. Um, but can you tell me a bit about how that perspective gets refined a little bit um, or over time, maybe some experiences that kind of made you feel like you were able to see the big picture as well as the day to day. Yeah, I think that I just, that's a great question. It um, takes me a while to kind of contemplate oh, no how to answer that. <laughs> uh, I think that I look for not simplicity per se, but um, value in experiences and in others and um and in the actions and choices that i take and because i'm doing that uh sometimes it causes me to have to process mm. um <laughs> so i think maybe it's a poet's <laughs> curse we do a lot of processing right <laughs> mm -hmm. and um and sometimes that processing can kind of clog up your brain, you know, and, and it's kind of like, um, it's like the COVID brain fog if you've been unfortunate <laughs> enough to have right, COVID, right. which I, <laughs> unfortunately, my yeah. family got struck last night. Oh, no. Anyway, um, yeah, it, I mean, and it, it can be one of those things that really does cause a person to have to take pause and consider what is the big picture here in this scenario that I'm dealing with or that my, you know, that my um, that I've encountered, um, whether it's in the workplace or with my family or you know wherever, mm -hmm. yeah. and if if you take a moment and have a moment to reflect on um, the bigger picture, I think it can be helpful to anyone to do that. And and for me, certainly, sometimes if there's something stressful in my life, I find poetry writing, as I think many poets do. Um, to be a really cathartic kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. Do do you think that um there is huge overlap between growing up in a in a faith-based environment when you were younger uh, that allows you to kind of look at those sorts of things? Um because and I ask that question mainly because for my own curiosity, I have this very complicated relationship with faith and I'm always curious how you're able to take maybe some of the aspects of of that kind of growing up that don't really serve uh, very much versus, you know, the good that can come from, you know, having faith in your life of any kind. I was fortunate enough uh, to have a an upbringing that didn't put me off of religion. Mm -hmm. um, and I know as an adult um, through the years, I've met many folks who have had to struggle with that mm -hmm. in a way that I didn't. And mm -hmm. so I'm grateful for that. Um, but at the same time, I think that we all have an obligation to struggle with our faith and to just continue that process. I think it's part of the journey mm -hmm. and I would encourage anybody to do so. Um, it definitely has a huge part in what I write. I try not to be explicitly religious. And if I have pieces that I know are explicitly religious mm. i will choose where i submit that poetry mm -hmm. um there is a i believe a catholic 
based. I'm Protestant, but I believe the publication might be Catholic based. It's called Logo Sophia, mm. and it's um, an online lit mag. Um, oh, they okay. do a nice job, and I cool. have submitted pieces there before. Yes, but most of the time, I think I just, um, I mean, it's a part of my life. Faith is a part of how I do that processing that we were talking about. Uh-huh. And it does probably um, influence the, um, I mean, it definitely does influence sure. the way I write and, and what I say and how I say it. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back, because I, I'm curious, you know, in terms of refining your process and things of that nature, do you feel like you had an experience that kind of broke you from writing for a while where you felt like, I can't do this anymore. I'm really done. Might have been when your kids were younger, which tends to be kind of something that happens. I know I didn't go. I didn't do any writing for a long time, you know, when my my kid was younger, but I'm getting back to it now. Did you have any moments like that? I think I've had many moments like that through the years, actually. Um, So like I said, uh, when you asked about my creative writing background, I loved creative writing as a child. And then um, I think college kind of broke me because Mm. when you get into the drudgery of writing like (laughs) research papers and all the citations and that kind of thing, I just, I didn't enjoy it. And I wasn't in a literary degree program. So, you know, maybe it would have been different if I had had like creative writing classes or something. Mm. Um, But writing in high school and college when you have to do um, a lot of just... (laughs) I don't know, research and nonfiction. And, and that's not my style, my preferred style of writing. So sure. Um, that probably broke me away from it for a while. But then um, I came back around to writing poetry when I was in my 20s, young, young 20s. Um, and I think from there, I've always enjoyed it as a hobby. Um, but then there have been times that I've gotten broken again by the submissions and publishing mm. process. So as I was saying earlier, and I know many writers would feel the same, regardless of genre, you know, I mean, you could be a horror writer, you could be a young adult fiction, whatever. We all have this struggle of submitting work and dealing with the rejections, because that's a part of breaking into the field, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I did have like kind of a break in that for a while. I was like, I'm not going to try to submit anymore. Um, and then I found out that I could put a blog online, <laughs> like such a cool thing. You know, this was like 20 years ago or something. <laughs> so, so at that point, <laughs> I, I had this new avenue for sharing my work. And um, that was really liberating, actually. And I think the Internet, m- most people would probably say, most writers would probably say that the, the Internet is it's an amazing tool mm-hmm. um, for our field. But anyway, yeah, so that, so I had my blog for a while and I started um, writing a little small chat book um, on paper that I shared with my family and friends at the time. Um, and so when I felt like I had an outlet again to share, then mm. I think that caused me to be more encouraged again. But then, as I say, you know, we go through cycles. So <laughs> you're met with rejection a few times and you kind of you have to take pause. You have to. <laughs> sit back and go, all right, this isn't working. What's what's not working and mm-hmm. what can I do differently? Right. Just find another way to um, get your work out there. Absolutely. And I feel like ever since I've started getting more proactive on Twitter of all places, uh, things have really solidified and it feels like there is a constant 
surge of not only overwhelm, which I guess tends to be the byproduct of Twitter, but um, there's also support. There's also reminders that you're human and then you can keep going. But it seems like you pretty organically have that sense of like, okay, this didn't work. We got to move on. We got to keep going. Is that an acquired thing or, or did you always have that, that resiliency, I should say? Um, that is so funny. I don't know. I've never <laughs> thought of myself as that. But I will say if there's one thing that I am, that is, I'm practical. I'm just, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just practical. <laughs> you can ask my family like that. <laughs> I just, I want a pragmatic approach. I, I don't like problems. I like solutions, you know, I mean, yeah. it sounds cheesy, but, but that's me. And, um, and so, yeah, that's probably just the way I approach life. So it's definitely come into my writing career as well. <laughs> No, and, and that's wonderful that you brought up the blog, because I was going to ask you about honesty poetry and sort of how that began. But you've been uh, going at that for a while then, it seems like sharing stuff on your on your own website, right? Right. Yeah. And um, I actually have a different web. I'm Samantha Terrell.com now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started out with my little blog, I think it was Blogspot. Was that oh, a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Blogspot's <laughs> still around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have my own website where I have links to all of my books. It's not so much a blog now as it's promotion up there for whatever books I'm rolling out at the time, or, um, if I'm running a sale, which actually still, I'm running my, my summer poetry pack. Oh, nice. I'll give a little plug. For yeah. It. I'm running it. I don't know whether this will air in time, but I'm running it up through Labor Day. Um, okay. And so you can get like basically two books for the price of one. My last two uh, are my first. Awesome. Um, what, what do I have on there? My two most recent books, I guess. <laughs> um, two for the price of one. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it's yeah, it's a good tool. And and um, I give kind of the history of honesty chat books on there, too. I've got a little mm-hmm. link that talks about that. So. Yeah. So how did that project begin? The honesty chat books? Uh, was it just like I need I need the outlet? You know, I need to be consistent, right? That sort of thing. Right. Um, I think it also at the time, because um, at the time, I think the kids were still quite a bit younger and I was just going a lot of different directions and and not that we're not now, but um, to the extent where I sidelined my poetry Mm. enough that I thought if I had a, I believe I was doing it bi-monthly. So I thought if I have mm. a bi-monthly goal, you know, then I would have a small chat book to give out, you know, to family and mm-hmm. friends just to keep me accountable to writing and um, and having a place to share it. And so, yeah, I, do, I don't create the honesty chat books anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I've kept honesty poetry as well, as you know, my Twitter handle. Yeah, and the newsletter too, right? I believe kind of they, my brand. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Which is a good one to have, you know, uh, the longevity of that. But it's nice because it seems like there were lessons learned and you said, okay, this thing has run its course. Now I can move on and actually, you know, commit to other things. Um, but I'm curious if there's some process now that you've been writing for so long where you, where you feel like you know what a win is when you're writing in like maybe like a writing session. Uh, do you have such a thing? Where you say, okay, I need to get this done. What? How do you quantify a win? A win? Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, there are different kinds of wins, I guess, in writing. So, when I write a poem, I'm really pleased with, um, or I've written one and and edited 
edited it to the point where I'm really pleased with it. I think that's a win in itself. Um, and then sometimes I immediately know where I want to submit that or whether I want to hold on to it for some future project. Mm. Um, as soon as I guess I put it out to a prospective publisher or, or, or included in a project that I'm working on. then I think that's kind of a win in itself too, <laughs> just because you found a, you know, we often say, Oh, I found a home for my new piece, you know? And that's just like, that feels good because you found that place to share. Um, so that's a win. And I don't know. I, I will share with you. I don't think I have said anything um, on Twitter, but I have been working on, a I'm, I feel like okay I'm brave I'm being brave right now Jaime I don't know if I want to do this <laughs> I I have written a self-taught poets handbook for self-taught poets oh lovely and yeah um within it um which I'm planning to just kind of surprise put it on the market in October actually oh wonderful um, in between in between my other um publications that are coming out because it is it's a handbook it's not you know Right. poetry um a collection or anything mm -hmm. but um yeah so within that book though um i definitely talk about how with writing at least with poetry writing and at least for a self-taught poet mm -hmm. who's not also coupling that with a career in academia or um some sort of contract with the big five publishers sure a person needs to come to grips with what their idea of success is and yeah. the monetary rewards to writing poetry, as most poets would tell you, <laughs> is quite slim, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you're in it for money, you might want to <laughs> you know, check yourself. <laughs> um, not that there aren't occasional um, monetary rewards, and it's certainly great to have a book um, on the market and, and mm -hmm. see a little royalties um, come in here and there. And that's beautiful. Um, yeah. And definitely a win. Oh, man. Well, but the wins. Yeah. I think the wins are just being able to share the work. Um, and the more you take that perspective, the happier you'll be and feel like you are getting a win with your right. Oh, that's wonderful. And I got to thank you for sharing that with us because I that I definitely subscribe to that. I mean, I feel like there has to be a sort of personal reckoning with um what it is that you want to do with this craft what are you getting out of it versus what your expectation is and while i haven't been trained as a poet i've i'm a playwright i'm a director you know that's sort of like my background and that's another reckoning that has to happen with anyone in the in the arts i think so i think it's going to be a wonderful service that you're doing for people who aren't in certain circles for folks who who just want to experience the craft and get something meaningful out of it without feeling like I have to make money, which is like capitalism always just kind of knocking at the door and, and demanding something, you know, of you uh, so that you can say, hey, I'm being productive. So yeah. I, I applaud that. I think it's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, please let me know so that we can kind of get the word out about it. I'll come back and put it in the episode description so that uh, folks know kind of what's what's going on over there. Um, but as you can see, yeah, that fires me up a little bit because I, I do feel that sometimes, uh, for folks who, who don't follow the traditional, uh, way of education towards poetry, who don't want to be college professors, who, you know, don't want to be in that space. 
sometimes those folks kind of go by the wayside because they just don't have the right kind of tools to manage. So, um, and obviously it seems like it took a lot out of you to gather all of these things, but this is a lifetime's work of being a poet on your own, right? Independently. Right. And I hope that the handbook, I'm, as I say, I was nervous even to mention um, that I'm coming out with that because <laughs> I'm nervous to put it on the market. It may sound funny. I'm more nervous to put something like that on the market than I am my poetry mm-hmm. because I want it to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You Sometimes you don't know whether the things you found helpful or the things that you find important will resonate with other people. Mm. but. In my experience, you know, I've had to just kind of muddle my way through learning how to, what does it, what is the submissions process? What does that mean? How would I do that? Right. Um, So this would very much be for hobbyist, um, the college student that's just, you know, Mm -hmm. playing around or um, someone just getting started. And um, yeah, I hope it'll be helpful to others. I felt just kind of inspired to do it. I think in part because, so this last year I um, came out with a book called Things Worth Repeating, and it's um, written in an invented form, which I call a trinitas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so as I was, after, after I put it on the market, and I've also kind of been trying to promote it on Twitter just to, to share it and say, Hey, does anybody want to give this a try? You know, Mm -hmm. um, so last spring, as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, I could I could make like a little handbook or um, a, at least some sort of article that would describe how how can I write a Trinitas if I wanted to as a poet, mm-hmm. um, like a, a little how to. I thought about putting a little how to piece on my website. And I may still do something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, in the process, I realized that I could actually uh, create this create this handbook from start to finish. Um, that would include not only um, a unit on writing a Trinitas, but also in the broader perspective of yeah. reading poetry, writing poetry, right. um, pu- uh, submitting and publishing poetry. Yeah. So I have included a special unit there in, in the book um, on the Trinitas itself. Um, and uh, and I just, I just felt, like I said, it sounds corny. I just felt kind of inspired to do it. And I hope it's helpful to, to folks. Oh, and I'm sure it will. I mean, there's, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I'm sure that the audience is there because we were all young playwrights or poets or writers at some point who were looking for somebody to say, hey, help me out. And for somebody who's who's had the experience of, of being in this form and studying it and practicing it with so much love and effort for so long, that's the best thing you can do. Pass it on to folks. And, and I'm sure that there's going to be people who are out there interested in getting that journey started. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be wonderful. So uh, yeah, keep me posted. It's going to be wonderful. In regards to, to the Trinitas, how do you arrive at that? How, how do you say this needs to be a thing that requires its own form? And I'm going to create that form. I'm curious what the train of thought is there. Cause that's incredibly exciting. Thank you. Um, it really kind of just emerged from wanting to create a manuscript which then turned into a new form (laughs) and i spent a good amount of time researching form because i and i'm still not certain to this day if this particular invented form has been used before i've 
I've asked online and I've researched online and I've scoured Turco's handbook for him. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I'm like, I'm not, I feel like it should be out. Is there another name for this? Now there are poems. Uh, there's a style of writing um, called a cleave. And that is a oh. three in one type okay. of poem, but it's not this form uh, of poetry. Um, and, you know, and so, and there's a dialectic, which would be, you know, as a playwright, you're mm -hmm. familiar with, I'm sure. but it's not that either <laughs> in that it's not like a back and forth. It's not, it's not necessarily, it creates three poems, um, but it's not like, here's one perspective, here's another perspective. It's black and white and we're having an mm -hmm. argument, you know, kind of thing mm -hmm. either. So, um, yeah, so it's just, it's free verse. It's, um, it's. And, and the way I wrote the manuscript, it's an entire manuscript, um, book, book size manuscript, but you can start with just a poem. Mm -hmm. So I have several that are just like, you know, a poem that's written as a Trinitas. Um, and in fact, I just wrote one today. So, um, <laughs> I'm not writing everything in, in Trinitas form. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just, it's sometimes it does my poetry justice i feel like to be able to write it in such a way mm. and i really hope that it catches on with folks i think that other writers um well i know that jane doherty i don't know if you follow her on twitter but i know that she tried one out um and so she and i were talking about it. i think it was jane anyway um yeah and i would just love for it to catch on because i just i think it's i think it opens up a new avenue mm -hmm. for folks um and is an opportunity to put your thoughts down on paper in a different way uh right. than a traditional poem does oh that's awesome yeah i'll be keeping an eye out for that too make sure that uh that we get the word out about that because i you know again i'm still a student of poetry i'm still kind of learning the ropes of a lot of this stuff so that'll be a cool exercise for me as well just a couple questions for you just a couple more to be mindful of your time um can we backtrack just a moment to certain things that inspired you when you were discovering poetry works that that blew your mind that you felt were were just completely eye-opening i would say the poetry that has stuck with me i guess is first of all it's going to be like the classics you know like longfellow and robert frost um and emily dickinson like i i just love the classic poets and um i think that those writers probably have influenced me just because they showed a consistency in their writing um that I guess I would aspire to and you know I mean I call myself honesty poetry because I really want to write things that resonate with others and clearly those folks did you know we mm -hmm. still read and talk about their writing all these years later um i want there to be meaning in what i write and i think that that i think that writers like that inspired me to write the way that i do mm. i don't know if that answers your question no that's perfect that's perfect because i'm i'm filling out this mental library in my mind of of what are the things that i'm constantly hearing and and sometimes it's just really nice to to just know the origin of of a person's interest um, I just think that's that's fascinating, um, especially in the formative years. I'm just a sucker for that stuff. It's like, what was the movie that did it for you, or what was the poem or the thing, right? <laughs> that that kind of lit you up. Because um, I feel like 
that might be the best way to fight cynicism. You know, like as you get older, you know, there's just so much going on that you get tired and bogged down. Sometimes it's nice to look back and say, oh, yeah, that's that's what that feels like. That's what that moment, uh, you know, that led me on this path was. But for the working creative, the person who is who is out there trying to balance these things, you know, obviously you got a family, you got work and stuff. What is um, what is something that really works for you in getting things done? getting all these projects off the ground, if there is a, a habit or routine or something that uh, you've discovered that works for you? Yeah, um, I hear that a lot. And I have to say, when if for working folks, when the kids are young, um, it's a struggle. I mean, we've all been there. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> Um, whether you're trying to write poetry or, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, just make a trip to the grocery store, it's a lot. um so i would certainly say hang in there it does get easier they do get more independent Mm. um and i think just carving out whatever time you can to put towards your craft some people i'm not a morning person at all but i have seen writers say you know i have got to get up at 5 a.m and get my writing out of the way before the day happens i can't do that if you can more power to you i mean (laughs) whatever moment um you know of the day that you can uh carve out Mm. just do it and just keep doing it until your lifestyle gets freed up a little more and a little more and as you can carve out more and more time you know um hopefully that'll give you the the productivity that you want right do you write longhand or do you write on your phone or computer? Uh, what do you What do you prefer? Yeah, normally I would write. <laughs> oh, well, all of the above, depending on what I have handy. If I was out somewhere and didn't have paper to write on, and I had an idea I wanted to just you know a quick jot down, I would probably like send myself a text message or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> but ninety percent of it, ninety nine percent of the time, probably I just write on paper. Mm. Um, and I'm old okay. school, so I'll write it out on paper. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll sit down at the computer and type it up um, from awesome. there and edit it, kind of in that process. Yeah, yeah, I can't let go of my notebooks. I'm a uh, notebook hoarder, and even though I have all <laughs> of the all of the apps, you know, that anybody could, anybody could ask for, I still have five notebooks that I'm just clumsily uh, navigating <laughs> uh, with. So, um, lastly, two more, um, and this kind of ties in with um, your upcoming handbook that you're thinking of putting out what would you say to somebody who's just on the verge of starting and i know this is like encompassing so much so so please i know that we got we got the handbook coming out so if if you could just encourage somebody who's hesitating or second guessing their creative output just as their beginning what would you say to somebody who's at that stage I probably take that in two different directions um, and let a person decide where they fall in that. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind, and these are, and I'm speaking from my experience. I'm not, I'm not, you know, like prejudging anyone here. We're not talking about anyone specific. So hopefully no one would be offended by this, but um, I would say point number one, you've got to have humility in your writing. Not everything you write is wonderful. It's just not. (laughs) And a lot of times when we start out, we're so excited 
And that's, and that's great. And it feels good to get something down on paper or on your computer screen, whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, and, and that's exciting, but we have to have humility in the process. And we have to look at our work objectively if we really want it to be successful in the broader literary context um, and try to get published and so forth. So, so there would be that. So there are folks out there that as they're starting out um, have got to keep that in mind. And then on the flip side, there are gonna be folks out there that are just starting out and maybe they're a brilliant writer, um, but they don't have the credentials or maybe they had the credentials, they went to school, um, got their degree and then their first internship didn't work out. And so they lost their confidence. Mm -hmm. The flip side is don't be discouraged by the rejections. Rejections are, I mean, it's always going to be something like what, I don't know, 80% rejection, 20% <laughs> um, acceptance <laughs> or something like that. Probably worse odds than that. I don't really know the numbers, but, it, but part of writing and submitting is rejection. So just, um, you know, continue to, to plug away at your craft and put your work out there. Cause when the stars align, as they say, you know, then, um, you'll find the acceptances come to Awesome. Last question. What's your hope for the future for your work life? Could be anything. Well, that's a doozy of a question. <laughs> yeah. As, as broad um, and generic as it can get, but I, I kind of like those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do hope for um, my forthcoming book, cosmic tragic comedy. I hope that people um, will pick up a copy of that and enjoy it. And I mean, that's kind of short term. Um, I'm always looking forward to the next books down the pike. So um, I just hope to continue to um, find an avenue to to put my work out there and, and hopefully um, find an audience for it too. Um, and then, you know, in the broader scheme of things, I think all of us, we've talked about just the kids and life and all of that, you know, that part um, of a writer's lifestyle um i just you know hope that family continues to be my priority and i wouldn't want to get you know um hung up on my writing to the point that i would neglect that so hmm. that that those are my broader and shorter term goals <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome i want to thank you so much samantha for your work for your awesome, awesome poetry and for taking the time to do this. Uh, I'm really, really glad to finally meet you. And I hope that everyone checks out Samantha's work, whether it's on the newsletter, the latest poetry collections and the upcoming handbook and all the awesome projects you got going on. Um, but Samantha, it's really a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. I'll talk to you real soon on the internet. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Hey there. Before I go, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying Arts Calling, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to these episodes. Every little bit helps to bring awareness about these wonderful artists that we're featuring on this podcast. And don't forget to say hi. I'm over on Twitter at CruiseFolio, and I would love to hear from you, love to know what you're working on, and I wish you the best in life and craft. Make art, make haste, and much love.